Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week on the show, entertainment and sports journalist Audrey Cleo Yap and Morning Edition host David Green. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute, and I'm playing this song just to annoy my guests. <laughs> Not annoying me. I love no, it. No, I actually... You still love this song? I do still love I've this song. I've heard it a thousand times. Right now, I like it. Okay. Right now, I like it. Okay. I go back and forth. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. I will tell you why I'm playing it in a minute, but first, I want to welcome my guests uh, who are here in studio today with me, Audrey Cleo. Hi, how are you? I am doing well, Sam. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And David Green, who is off today from his other shows, Up First and Morning Edition. It's all about your show today. I appreciate that. All about your that. show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Audrey, we're so lucky to get you because you're like bouncing around everywhere all the time. I am? You are. You're doing variety. <laughs> you're doing TV. You're doing sports. You're doing entertainment. I do, a, I do a little bit of everything, and yet I feel like I do nothing. I don't know. <laughs> it me. <I'm, laughs> it me. I am everywhere and nowhere. Yeah. You know who is everywhere? Pharrell. And this song, Happy. Did you hear the story this week? Yes. No. No. Tell us. I believe that this song was being used at some GOP rallies, and Pharrell actually asked him to stop, to stop. using it. Oh, that's right. So yeah. this week, Donald Trump played Pharrell's Happy at one of his rallies, and Pharrell, like, saw it and said no. And it's just one more instance of a musician being mad, the politicians use their music. And I used to always get mad and say, well, why did you give them permission? But I read into it, it's actually more complicated. But, yeah, it is much more complicated. Yeah. So it turns out most artists will partner with these big music licensing companies, and they basically say, these companies will handle my licensing of this song, performance rights for the song, and unless I object, it can be everywhere. So, like, the only reason that Pharrell objected was because he just happened to see it. But if he hadn't happened to see it and challenge it, his song can be everywhere. Fast, so the, the default is you the can play anything you want. Unless you partner the with these it. groups and they just put it out wow. there. And they're in charge of giving you a check, but, like, the song is just out there. So, like, I'm imagining Pharrell sitting down at home, watching TV. He's like, oh, that's my song. And he's like, no, not happy. No, Pharrell, <laughs> not, not happy. This. And then he gets the check in the mail and he's like, boy, <laughs> no. All right. I'm happy to be here in studio with my guests We're really today. happy, too. Uh, as we always do, we're going to start the show by having uh, all of us describe our week of news in only three words. First, it's going to be David. Uh, I, my, the words I can't stop thinking about this week are made of steel. Um, What's that? I've been thinking a lot about the city of Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, where you spend some time. Where I grew up. It is the steel city. And... Uh, Someone at, a, at the Pittsburgh Steelers game, after the shooting at the synagogue, held up a sign. Mm. Uh, it said, hatred can't weaken uh, a city of steel. Mm. Um, and that's what Pittsburghers feel. And the resilience of that city has just been extraordinary, yeah. going through an unbelievable period of pain. What's um, it like for you to watch that as someone it's terrible. the area? It's, I mean, I grew up a mile from the synagogue. You're Jewish, uh, right? Yeah, I am. Oh. Um, so it's you know, it's not just that, but it's it's really, you know, it's, it is... It's it's like standing with your city at uh. a moment of unimaginable pain, uh. and I think the country is at a moment. This this is this is the other reason why those words mean so much because I've been thinking a lot about the midterm elections and yeah. what they mean. Yeah, um, and, and you've we, been out in the country covering out in the voters. country covering them, and you know we have a new poll out from NPR and Marist and um, PBS NewsHour. Like 
eight in ten Americans think that things are there's such a lack of civility right mm-hmm. now that there will be more violence because of the lack of civility. Wow. Audrey, what are you feeling? You know, a few days out from the midterms. You know, it's been interesting because I I feel like I've been much more of a an observer and a spectator to all this news. Yeah. And every incident feels like it's good. It's the last one. And then it's not. And then it's not. Sandy Hook oh, felt yeah. like it was going to be the Which last. years ago. Last one, right? Yeah. All the and talk about that, that was going to change everything. Yeah. Because it was kids and it, it was. It was kids. Yeah. And it's like, what is actually changing? And Orlando. Yeah. Um, we, that was going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. So I, it just, what it, what is change? What, what does that feel like? What is that actually yeah. substantively? Exactly. Yeah. David, you were out in the last few weeks where you were in Texas talking to voters. You were in, where else? Missouri and Michigan. Missouri and Michigan. Yeah. What of that reporting out there in the world with the real people, like, was there a big takeaway that you got from voters heading into the midterms? Yeah. One of the things that struck me is you and, and this this we, we heard this in Michigan where, you know, the suburbs of Detroit, President Trump's immigration policy has really had an impact. And we spoke to the wife of an Iraqi Christian man who is um, being detained by ICE right now. Uh, wow. His kids, he's moved to the United States as a baby. He could face deportation. And then we talked to this Lebanese-American business owner who fully supports President Trump, loves his tough immigration policies Mm -hmm. because he's making the country safer in his mind. But also, he said, as a Muslim American, I need to support the president's travel ban and his immigration agenda because Hmm. if something happens in the country and I wasn't supporting the president, then people are going to blame me and blame Uh. Muslims, which was such a Weird and fascinating, unexpected thing. But I left this thinking, here are people who are on different sides of things, but it is all about this fear of what it all means and what this moment means. That is a human emotion that we all share. And I Do you mean, think fear is a driving emotion behind these fear midterms? Fear is a driving emotion behind these midterms, but it's like we share more at this moment than I think we realize because we're sharing fear you know, fear and emotions about, about the future and what it all means. And we have a president who is stoking those fears. You know, well, all of his messaging in the last few weeks, if not months, in advance of the midterms is fear of immigrants, fear of terrorism. His messaging has become really plugged into that one emotion, it seems. There's no doubt about it. I think the other interesting trend that's worth saying is, is the amount of fear I don't want to call it fear mongering, but you can call it that. I mean, that's what it is. But a lot of Democrats are talking about how scary Donald Trump is, and yeah. and I, it's really interesting and to ask saying as a journalist, scary and right? Is that an effective political strategy on the left? And I think that's a really important question in the next yeah. two years. Talking about you know sending a message that Donald Trump is scary in every way is that really going to be a successful messaging strategy for your party, mm-hmm. or should you be focusing on on other things? Yeah. I have three words. They are a national conversation. And I'm saying them because whenever I hear the phrase national conversation, my mind immediately goes to a national conversation about race, which annoys me. But I've been thinking more and more over the last few weeks that the undercurrent in all of our politics right now and all of our current events right now, it is race. Like we are having this conversation this week about changing birthright citizenship. And there's no way to talk about that in the 14th Amendment without talking about race. Like you think about 
the messaging around, you know, immigration and the caravan. You think about the hate crime and shooting in Pittsburgh and other ones. You think about arguments over health care and Obamacare and, 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 and who gets access to these benefits. There is this racial undercurrent in all of it. But there seems to be a resistance in some corners to call it what it is. I think we're just as a as a country just terrible at talking about race, period. But even more specifically, things like white privilege Mm -hmm. and, you know, who who benefits from that and how and structural racism. And then, you know, we go into structural sexism and Mm -hmm. all of these incredibly uncomfortable conversations that were previously just kind of cordoned off to Mm -hmm. specific groups. Like if you are a minority in this country, you've been having these conversations for a long time. If you are a child of immigrants like I am, you have been having these conversations for a very long time. Uh, But now it's only lately that they have come to the forefront. And I think so many times like I have found myself having to be an educator mm-hmm. and that's been a role that I am not comfortable with. It's emotional with. labor that like It is very laborious. <laughs> can, I, can I ask yes. you both a question about this? Sure. Because yeah. I, I talked to this one guy in Texas. This is a I also want to ask you how much race is on, you know, voters' minds because you've been out in the world. Well, this is so interesting. I talked to this guy. He he's um African American lives in Barrett, Texas, outside Houston. He is the great grandson of a freed slave who founded this town. Hmm. I mean, wow. he has been he, he and his family have been fighting against injustice. Yeah. He is saying the same things that you're both saying that mm. this conversation has now been brought to, to the, the forefront. forefront. And he gives Donald Trump credit. And he I said guess. he said he commends him and he thinks that now that President Trump has like opened the wounds, it's time for Trump to to use that and become a uniter. And Do I'm you think there, he's capable of uniting? Well, this is exactly, these are the questions yeah. I'm saying to him. And he's like, he can be, he could be. I commend him for like ripping the Band-Aid off and, and like causing us to have. So my question, like, do you give Donald Trump credit for forcing these conversations to take place? I give Donald Trump credit if he works to fix the wound. It's exactly if what he said. you just ripped the Band-Aid off, you've just ripped the Band-Aid off and we're about to get an infection, bruh. But like, are what you going to like stitch this stuff up? And that's what I said to him. I was like, well, and, and I said, what if you're wrong about Donald Trump? Mm. What, what if he doesn't do it? He said, mm. you mean what if I'm wrong and he's a racist? I said, yeah. He was like, God will deal with him. I don't know. That is I something. want to talk, give credit not, but like he caused it. He did. He's, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, but also it's just like name any big headline from the last two weeks. How is it not about race? That's a good point. All the headlines are. Yeah. Audrey, you have three words? I do. My three words are Cardi versus Nikki. Can I just stop real quick and say, like, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, absolutely. It's been like a year that we've been it living has this drama. a year plus. So let's catch <laughs> let's everybody catch up. up. Catch okay. up. So, For those so, living under a rock, Cardi yes. B and Nicki Minaj are two female rappers. So they have been beefing for a little over a year. Yeah. Uh, Y'all can Google, you know, what that was all about. But recently, and and it all kind of came to a head, I want to say, in September, this past September, where there was an altercation. uh, At some fancy art party. At a a Harper's Bazaar party. I think this was during uh, New York Fashion Week. But watching this, and trust, I was gobbling it up at the spoon. Uh, But what it reminded me of is that so much of entertainment and pop culture Mm -hmm. still centers on women 
versus woman conflict. Yeah. Uh, the Real Housewives franchise, which I will admit I am a huge fan Same. of. Yeah. But that is all driven by women-on-woman conflict. Yeah. And when we talk about, especially in Hollywood lately, in this kind of, you know, let's more better roles for women and, you know, things that where they're not centered on on conflict over a man yeah. or conflict over this or that, yeah. all these, you know, stereotypical things. But so much of it is still driven by that. Yeah. And my question with Nikki and Cardi, it almost feels like they're playing into the conflict, playing into the fight, because I guess in their minds, it's going to also sell albums. Are they doing it? Or are they even doing it intentionally for that? reason do they that, even that's really the question. Yeah. like i mean what did they did they chat before that book party and be like <laughs> i like that you thought it was a book party <laughs> did you say harper's harper's bizarre it's harper's bizarre it's a book it's a book party with like cocktails and yeah, martinis yeah yeah it was that kind here's of here's my thing yeah. it's like i have a lot of people in my industry that i can't stand I don't. I don't Ooh, go around talking no. about them. I just ignore them. Well, that's <laughs> the know? thing. Are, are there are there man against man conflicts that we're just not covering? Or David, let's in? start it. Or, yeah, let's start right yeah. now. Let's go right I now. I got beef with David. Green. Give me a welt and like let's see if it, <laughs> I'm going to give no, you an Instagram video. Like, is it is it about the fact that that it ma- male against male conflicts just don't happen as much, or does America no, just not care do, about they it? They do, but they don't kind of extend into what I I hate this word, but like that. The, the cat fight mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. you know, when yeah. everyone loves to be like, oh, it's a cat fight. Yeah. To their credit, though, you know, Nikki did put out a tweet saying that let's just move on from this. Let's sure. all be happy for sure. the success. But no, I think, you know what? Celebrity beefs are just, <laughs> it's just, it's we, performance art. It's, it's performance yeah. art. It, it really is. My favorite one from last year was Tyrese versus The Rock. Which was, was actually all fake. That, right? Was it totally was it? Or was it? Was it? <laughs> I don't know. We could go on and on and on. Uh, time for a break. In that break, I'm going to make my first diss Instagram video about David Green. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Wix.com, a web platform for creating your own professional website. With Wix, whether it's your first time creating a website or you're a longtime pro, you can do it yourself. Choose from hundreds of stunning templates or start from scratch with drag-and-drop technology and powerful web features. Join over 125 million people already using Wix to create their own websites. Go to wix.com to create yours today. So what will you create? This message comes from NPR sponsor ESPN. The critically acclaimed 30 for 30 documentary series is now a podcast featuring original audio stories from the world of sports, the heroes, the controversies, and how what happens on the field can change everything. Listen to the new season of 30 for 30 on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. More than 20 years. That's how long Olympic gymnastics doctor Larry Nassar abused the girls and women who came to see him for treatment. Believed, a new podcast from Michigan Radio and NPR, digs into how he got away with it for so long. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests today. Audrey Cleo, journalist about town. Where, where, where's the last place we've seen you? Oh, my goodness. I just had a story go up on NBC News. Yeah. We'll check it out. Yes. Also here with David Green, NPR host with the most. Uh, He hosts two shows on a regular basis, Morning Edition and Up First. Are you tired? 
Not now. I got sleep. <laughs> Good. So, David, Audrey, we are still all processing the news out of Pittsburgh and that horrible shooting at a synagogue there that killed 11 people. And this, of course, is just the latest hate crime that we're seeing in America, the latest mass shooting. There are so many others. Just a bit over six years ago, we saw something very similar. On August 5th, 2012, a white supremacist entered the Sikh temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, and started shooting. He killed six worshipers, including Pardeep Singh Kalika's dad, Satwant. Satwat was the temple's president. Pardeep himself narrowly missed the violence. Uh, after that shooting, Pardeep did something pretty extraordinary. He formed an organization with a former white supremacist to spread awareness about hate crimes across the country. We called up Pardeep to talk about how his own community came together after that tragedy and to find out what he would say to people in Pittsburgh following the shooting there at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Hello, Pardeep. Hey, Sam. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Hey, well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, likewise, d- deeply appreciate it. Yeah. I want to go back to the mass shooting, the hate crime that you lived through. Um, how well can you recall that day in 2012? Oh, pretty, pretty clear. Um, and, and, and I, and I got to say that when it happened, uh, a few days after that, I couldn't recall much of it. There was just moments that stuck out. One of those moments being how my daughter forgot her notebook at the house and we had to turn back around and get it. Um, and just that fortunate um, forgetfulness of, of a notebook allowed us to, to live. And how I just had to wrestle with two, two big emotions. One being uh, guilt, that I couldn't do enough at that time to like stop this or, or help people. And relief, the relief of not being in that shooting while this madman was shooting everything in sight and having to save my children. Mm. It's been, what, about six years. And in those six years, you have done something that I don't see a lot of people doing. You formed this nonprofit, and you've partnered with a very unlikely partner. Yeah, um, you know, forming the nonprofit Serve to Unite was an idea, a brainchild of everyone that was inside that temple at that time. And we knew why the shooter did what he did. He was hateful. He was trying to cause division. And we said, nope, you're not going to do that. That's not going to define who we are. We're going to serve to unite. And, and um, service is a, a tenet of Sikhism. Um, and, and so is uniting. Uh, our Sikhism is founded on the foundational stone that we are all one and we come from the same source. So you're not going to be able to divide us. Me partnering with Arnold Michaelis, who was a former white supremacist, who actually started the same organization that the shooter belonged to, was how do I heal personally? That was the inspiration for that. And once, I, once we actually sat down and we talked, um, a, a lot of the reservations of who he used to be and what we were going through um, kind of uh, dissipated and Basically, all I was looking at was another man who was going through his journey of life. And, uh, you know, I came in there with reservations. People that I was, t- you know, I was telling my mom what I was going to go do. I was telling my wife. And she re- they really thought that I lost my mind. Yeah. I hear you. But there's probably a lot of listeners that might hear you now say, you're being kind of nice to these white supremacists that want to kill you, that want to kill me that want to kill 
is there a danger in this all-encompassing love that I hear you talking about for people that would wish to literally eradicate entire groups of people? We have to get away as a society from vilifying people and vilifying an ideology. If you want to look at every single shooting, every single shooting, probably the last justification was a feeling of rejection. And now that rejection, people are right to say, well, what does this person have to be rejected about? But rejection to that person, real or make-believe, is very real to that person. So with that said, we as a society need to get better at vilifying an ideology. And this is an ideology of separation. This is an ideology of dehumanization. This is an, this is an ideology that, that treats people as if they are worth less than somebody else. And, and we need to get better at saying, that's what I'm going after. What happened at your temple in 2012 was an act by a white supremacist, a hate crime. What happened in Pittsburgh was committed by a white supremacist, and that was a hate crime against Jews. Um, By just about every measure, the last two years or so, three years or so, have seen a drastic uptick in hate crimes against all different kinds of groups of people across the country. And a big question people are asking, particularly after Pittsburgh, is whether or not Donald Trump is emboldening white supremacists and fostering an environment in which there are just more hate crimes. Do you think that Donald Trump is emboldening white supremacists? I, I, I know he is. He, he's, he's, he's emboldening them by what he says and what he doesn't say. If you don't directly call it out, and deliberately call it out and say, listen, this is what it, this is, you embolden it. And, and he, being the president of the United States, needs to, needs to like, not be a divider-in-chief, but be, be almost a healer-in-chief, be a, a comforter-in-chief, and let people know, regardless of your skin complexion, who you like, uh, where you're from, the religion you worship, that this country still stands for the ideals that that were advertised. Yeah. What is the thing that you wish someone had told you before you went through your experience with a mass shooting and a hate crime that you might want to tell to survivors in Pittsburgh right now? Um, I think the things that, the thing that I would tell them is just to just to be kind to yourselves. Obviously they're going to be kind and compassionate to themselves. But sometimes you're not. You, there's a lot of blame that you unfairly take on. You know, there gonna be, there's going to be details within the, uh, within the incident itself of I got there late, I didn't get there on time, I could have done this and I could have done that, and I should have said this to this person, but I didn't say it when they were alive, and now I'm giving flowers when they're dead. And, and that's a natural human reaction. So the thing I would say to them is it's just, be kind to yourself. That It has to start there before you can be kind to the world. Hey, well, I thank you so much for your time. I am sure that you are having a rougher few days than most of us because I'm imagining every time these tragedies happen, you have to relive a little bit of yours. So I thank you for your strength and uh, taking time to share your story with our audience today. No, thank you, Sam. And no, it's an honor to be on. And, and thank you for everything that you do. Oh, I appreciate that. 
Thanks again to Pardeep. He is a co-author with Arno Michaelis of a book called The Gift of Our Wounds, all about that shooting at his temple in Wisconsin. David, Audrey, what did you all think of hearing that? You know, when I was listening to it, the whole time I'm thinking, like, he still hasn't recovered. Yeah. Do you ever recover? I, do you ever recover, yeah. Well, and then it's so weird to think that there now is this, like, fraternity, sorority of people that have all gone through the same thing. Growing in growing every day. Like mm-hmm. Growing membership. Well, he was saying to me that, like, since he experienced this shooting, he now goes to visit with victims when they experience it. He went to Charleston after that shooting at that church there. Like, it is this, like, really sad club. I think that sometimes we, as journalists, you know, we're doing our job, we'll chase after victims and victims' families to to try and hear their stories and find meaning and you know, some some want to talk because mm-hmm. it's sort of therapeutic, I think, and yeah. others don't. But if we ever assume that we can really understand what they're going through, like we're crazy. I mean, yeah. you can't because a lot of that grieving is it's a private thing. Yeah. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide to address inequality in all its forms. Learn more at FordFoundation.org. Dia de los Muertos is a special time for remembering those we have lost. An alt-Latino sonic altar is just that, a musical celebration of the lives of those we have loved. Check it out on the next alt-Latino wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with Audrey Cleo. What's your rap name? We were talking about rap earlier. Oh, well, since my last name is actually Yap, I'd be like Yappa the Rapper. Oh, I love that. <laughs> also here with David Green, host of NPR's Morning Edition. What is DJ your rap DG. name? DJ DG. That's hard DJ to say, DG. actually. Say it 10 times fast. DJ DG. DJ DG. DJ DG. DJ DG. DJ DG. Uh, I'm Sam Sanders, your host. It's time for my favorite game. Who said that? So the game is really easy. I share a quote from the week. You have to guess who said that or at least get the story it refers to, get a keyword, get close. The winner, as you know, gets absolutely nothing, but also maybe some bragging rights. Yeah. Audrey looks so ready. I'm She's ready. throwing her I'm hair back. She's like, I'm like, hold on, I gotta retwist my ponytail. Like, I gotta like. Can I pick the topic? Can we just do all NFL football? Would no, that be? I'm just. Do I mean, you know me at all? I need an advantage. I know, but do you know me at yes, all? I, know. I don't. I, I need can't an do it. I'm terrified. It's okay. You're gonna be fine. Ready? First quote. They tell you that when you get in trouble, you find out who your real friends are. It's black people. It turns out they'll stick by you. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't oh, Kanye. Oh, I, was, I was being very serious. I was being very it serious. It was not Kanye. It's someone who was trying to make their way back into the public eye. Aziz? Another in that realm. You're close. Oh You're really warm. Oh, my goodness. Another comedian. Louis C.K.? Yes. Yes. Okay. So as we uh, have all been seeing the last few weeks, Louise... did she get that after getting it wrong twice? I just sat here silently <laughs> thinking that I <laughs> thinking that I was going to bust in. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't yes. take, David. Ooh, yeah. ooh, you only get one shot. Did not miss your chance mm-hmm. to blow. Mom's spaghetti. I was Mom's about spaghetti. to say Louis C.K. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> sure you were. Did I you mean... just quote Eminem? I quoted Eminem. Oh. Yes. So Louis C.K. 
Um, he left comedy for a while after multiple allegations about sexual misconduct from him came to light. He admitted to those you know, allegations, copped to it, and left for a while. But now he wants to come back. Uh, but he said in one of his sets recently that the one group of folks that did have his back are black people. I missed that memo. No one told me. You weren't copied on the email? The email to oh, the blacks. Yeah, to all the... As a black people, you what? weren't co- you weren't copied <laughs> on this copy. email? What do we take from that? I don't know. You know, this reminds me of Alec Baldwin, who was in the news a few weeks ago, because he said that ever since he began to do his Trump impersonation for SNL, black people just love him and see him on the street and call him out. And it's like... Who is this who is this group of black people propping up middle-aged white men in New York City? I, where are they? And it goes into this weird perception that a few select people who might be black or yeah. whatever, Asian, Latino, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden are representative of the, the entire group. group. Yeah. Yes. Like a white guy cut me off in traffic yesterday. I don't think all white guys are out to cut me off in traffic. I would. Now, you know, <laughs> if Louis CK can say it, then Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next quote. Ready? Uh Uh-huh. It is, I am distancing myself from politics and completely focusing on being creative. Kanye. Yes. Yes. Kanye was good. The answer is always Kanye. The answer is always Kanye. (laughs) Did you you see this story, David? Yeah. Yes. Kanye West tweeted this week that quote, and he's basically saying, I'm pulling back from politics. This comes after Kanye's several months long whirlwind MAGA tour. He was wearing the red hat. He was in the Oval Office with President Trump. Uh, All of this, of course, got him publicly linked to a conservative campaign urging black people to leave the Democratic Party. It was called Blexit, like black exit. And apparently the people made a logo for this campaign and said Kanye made the logo. Kanye hated the logo. And he said, don't put my name on that crappy logo. (laughs) And that's why he said, I'm done with politics. Oh, that's why. Because the design was off. Literally. (laughs) Kanye, for the record, has denied ever wanting to be involved with Blexit. You can believe that or not. Uh, last quote. I'm going to go ahead and say this one's worth three points. So, David, you maybe can win. Oh, what? Here we you go. always do <laughs> this to me. Yeah. You, okay. you and just anyway. yell it out if you oh got it. Gosh. Don't wait. Just yell it out if you got it. The quote is, so be ready, y'all. Be ready. ready. Trick of fingers. Ready. You get a vote. You get a vote. Everybody gets a vote. Oprah? Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> it was Oprah. Audrey, you got it. Um, she won five nothing. I'm just dunking on she won David five right now. That's great. Yeah, That's really I would yeah. like to yeah. dedicate my win to the Dodgers. <laughs> they need a win. They could have used, really used, used one. They could have used one. They could have used three more wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They could have used a couple. So Oprah's in the news this week because she went down to Georgia to stump for Stacey Abrams, a Democrat running for governor there. And while on stage for a Out the Vote event with uh, Stacey Abrams, she said this. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Great to be here with you. Everybody gets a vote. Remember when she did the whole thing with you get a car, you get a car? Uh-huh. It's like that, but voting. Is she running? She's always running for something. <laughs> Oprah's running for our hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. That's what she's well, running she for. She has won mine. Let me tell ya. <laughs> Speaking of winners, you won this game, Audrey. How does it feel? It feels so good, especially because my team blue just couldn't pull through during okay. the World Series. Okay. So how does it feel to lose to me? You know, the fact that you're so nice about it, you don't gloat at all, and you're not like doing like, I am very humble. air slam dunks in my face. Oh, Woo! you were doing that. Yeah, it's Woo! not fun. 
dancing in the end zone. It's not you kind of dance in the end zone. <laughs> I love it. What I would your end zone it. dance look like? That Just Fortnite one. The, ooh. Yeah. The, What's the Fortnite dance? Oh, the Fort. Oh my goodness. I still don't know what Fortnite is. Oh my. What gosh, is it, Sam? You are an older millennial. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this was a great game. Uh-huh. Uh, now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Hey, Sam. This is Ashley in Annapolis. And the best thing that happened this week was after being born at 29 weeks, I was able to bring my son, Philip home from the hospital. Your show has helped keep me grounded these past five and a half months as I commuted back and forth to the hospital. Thanks so much, Sam. Hi, Sam. This is KR. And Alan Sasser. We are currently laid up in our hotel room because we just completed the best part of our week, our first marathon, the Marine Corps Marathon in D.C. Hi, Sam. This is Judy from Milwaukee. The best thing that happened in my week was that my baby got his first college acceptance. It's my girlfriend Ty and I's anniversary. I love you, Ty. I adopted a three-year-old Hurricane Michael rescue kitty that got flown out to the Seattle Humane Society. A project that I have been working on for over five months finally got the green light for phase two. I am so excited and more than a little bit scared. Hi, Sam. It's Leslie from Carlsbad, California. The best part of my week was having our triplet sons fly home from college. Yep three different schools in two different states, all to help us celebrate my father's 90th birthday. I'm feeling extremely grateful. Hi, Sam. This is Erin from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's been a pretty dark week here, but the best part of my week has been the outpouring of love and compassion and sense of community that has shined through it all. I have never been more proud to be a Pittsburgher. Thanks for the show. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. That was great. Much love to Pittsburgh. Much love. Much Lots love to of love to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Send, a, yeah. send a lot. Thanks to all the voices you heard there. Ashley, KR and Allen, Judy, Anthony, Kelly, Simone, Leslie, and Aaron. We listen to all of these that come in and love them every week. Keep sending them. You can send me your best thing of any week at any point throughout the week. Just email me the sound of your voice to samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. On that note, many thanks to my guests today, Audrey Cleo and David Green of NPR's Morning Edition. Y'all were delightful. What are your plans for the weekend? I'm going to sleep. Good. My wife is coming to Los Angeles, and I'm, we're just going to hang out. We talked about takeout Chinese. Do it. Saturday night, takeout Chinese. I'll be there. Like Netflix. I'll be there. Right, come over. Okay. Come we're going to be lit at Casa de Green. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Over. What about you? I am going down to Orange County, which I feel like I need like a passport for sometimes. (laughs) Orange County is is kind of far away, not that far away from LA. Uh, And we're going to visit my fiance's 86 year old grandmother, Selma. I know. We're bringing bagels. Yeah, you are. Grandma Selma. Yeah, I love it. All right. What are you doing, doing, Sam? I'm flying to DC on Sunday because I'm going to be in DC all week to cover the midterms for NPR. Nice. We'll be listening. (laughs) Okay. I got the late shift, so you might not be up, but I'll be up. Yeah. <laughs> this week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Alex McCall. Steve Nelson is our director of programming. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. And my big boss, who signs my paychecks, is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for my chat with Abby Jacobson. 
You know her from Broad City, an amazing show. Uh, but she's also out with a new book. It is called I Might Regret This. And it's all about how Abby got over a bad breakup by taking a three-week road trip across the country alone and writing a book about it. It's good stuff. Check for that on Tuesday. All right, till next time, stay happy. Pharrell, thank you for what you do. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. That was not sincere. <laughs> stay happy. Stay happy. Stay happy, Pharrell. Looks like rain. <laughs> <laughs>